Welcome to Lamestream. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this show, uh, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All those things help people find us. We would appreciate that. But mostly, just tell someone you know, you listen to Lamestream Sports, and they should too. Deion Sanders. TV ratings. A discussion later in the pod. Uh, Lincoln Riley doing the exact opposite of Deion Sanders, destroying all the marketing and good coverage of his program. So we'll discuss what's happening in the Pac-12 a little bit later on for those that care. The, the Colorado stuff is largely unprecedented, Steve. So we'll have a conversation about that. I know we've we've touched on Coach Prime earlier uh, in an earlier episode, but we got to get into it again after what happened on Saturday evening. Uh, Samaria Terry is going to be our guest today on the show, WKRN. Uh, she's bounced around the Southeast and, and, and in the footprint of the SEC and now covers all the sports with Corey Curtis over there for News Channel 2. And so um, a great conversation. She's got a really interesting perspective, uh, a lot of interesting stories along her journey to get here. Uh, and I think, you know, a, a really interesting perspective on the stories that she wants to tell. You'll you'll enjoy this. Uh, she's very very bright. I, I found her to be very engaging. And I, just in general, I'm glad she's here. Yep, absolutely. So uh, you'll hear our conversation coming up in just a minute. We'll talk a little college football after the fact. I have one question to ask you before our interview that you do not know about. And I, I enjoy doing these to you when I get to present something and I get to see your reaction and then listen to your reaction in real time. So I'm going to do that in just a second. However, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers, always brought to you by the fine quarter zips at Jaspers. Always? always, always brought to you. Always, always, brought to you. always, always brought to you by Jasper's free parking. The next evolution of the sports bar football season in full swing and the Nashville Predators, by the way, I believe starting on Monday. This comes out on a Friday. So starting on Monday, double headers and preseason action. They play Tampa Bay on Wednesday preseason action. So you're starting to get some Preds games back, folks. And if you want to go place, you want a place to go watch the Nashville Predators hockey uh, free parking, the Gold Standard Cocktail, named after our Gold Standard podcast that covers the Nashville Predators. Training camp is up and running, uh, and a entirely new era of hockey has begun with a new GM and a new coach and a bunch of new players. Uh, it's an exciting time, actually, to be a Nashville Predators fan with the with all the new. So go check out the Gold Standard Cocktail, and it's a great place to go watch all your Nashville Predators games. They have great specials at Jasper's, so go check out Jasper's because this podcast is always, 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 always. By Jaspers on West End. Go to Jaspers. Always. All right, here's my question for you. So uh, I know we did an entire episode about the possibility or lack thereof of baseball coming to Nashville. I know that baseball coming to Nashville is one of my favorite things to ask you about because I just get to watch your blood pressure physically go up in the in your facial expression. It's actually quite enjoyable for me. Like it's happening right now. But what's interesting to me, and I just want to ask one question, and then we'll move on and can't wait to talk to, to Miss Terry. Uh, that sounds weird, by the way. <laughs> now I just think of Nick Saban when I say that. Uh, all right. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays have gotten a stadium deal done with Tampa St. Pete. They yep. are going to have a new stadium. We know the athletics are going to have a, a, a they're going to be moving to uh, Las Vegas and going to have a stadium. That's the last two, really, that could have possibly moved because the White Sox and the Orioles, that, that stuff's not happening. As we've as we've debunked on previous episode with Nate Rao, the fact that expansion is now the only option, and we know that May Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, wants expansion. Is it possible that some big money person was waiting for this moment in the process to step forward, or is that a total non-starter? I mean, it's possible many things are possible <laughs> i mean probable no but possible yes i mean until there's money attached to nashville's efforts and to be fair or i should say to be clear there is no money attached to nashville's efforts right now it, it is vaporware but the the minute you get a capital b billionaire attached to a, a, an expansion possibility they could figure out, you know, how to overcome the stadium issues that exist. Yes, all of those things are possible. No, and and again, if you want to like a one minute 
<laughs> debunking of the possibilities, go check out the 440 Sports Twitter account. I posted a clip of Nate basically laying out every single possible thing that has to happen for baseball to come here. I'm just curious, like if I'm the billionaire, if I'm Bill Haslam, maybe is a bad example because he already has one of those teams here in town uh, and they would be kind of competing. What what I find interesting is wouldn't you have private, you probably would have private conversations with MLB, with Rob Manfred, if you were a money person in that situation, but, but maybe it wouldn't be public. Maybe you wouldn't attach your name to it until, you know, after the other teams are no longer options. I don't know. I'm just trying to, there are plenty of people that want baseball. I don't actually care. I like the game, but I don't care. I'm certainly not going to vote for anything that spends public money on a stadium or give up public land for it. But would you? I'm just would you curious. Go see if a you Mets think, game? Would you go see a oh, Mets for game? Sure. If, for yeah. sure. My wife would love it. Like I've converted her to soccer. She didn't really love the game. Didn't really like watching it. But she loves going to Geodis because the park is great and the atmospheres is just wonderful. And baseball has. She loves baseball. She loves sort of like the relaxed, chill sort of like kind of outdoor it's green grass like it's just kind of relaxing as opposed to like a titans game <laughs> where there's nothing right. relaxing not about relaxing. the entire experience at all and so i just was curious i just wanted to ask you that and and maybe see if your head would explode no i i, I this this is the next thing to this is the next thing to come is is like kind of all the expansion talk and to be fair i mean mlb would love to be here but i i do think that Given the given the change in administrations here, and given Freddie O'Connell Connell's kind of very direct comments that he would love to talk to anybody who wants to privately fund <laughs> a a new stadium, an emphasis on privately fund, uh, you know, there's going to have to yeah. be another there's going to have to be another solution, and MLB's only solution right now seems to be go get public dollars. Uh, and that ain't happening in this town. Uh, that is for sure. Okay. I just wanted to ask, I just was curious cause we've kind of reached a different point in the process here and just wanted to see where your head was at and all I'm the leverage to, plays are gone. <laughs> I'm glad I wanted to see where your head was at and I'm glad to see that it is still firmly attached to your body. Uh, all right. So we'll talk coach prime. We'll talk college football coverage, what coaches are doing to the reporters across, uh, across this great country. Uh, and we'll do some recommendations a little bit later on as well. Go to Jasper's, of course. However, here, first up, here was our conversation with Samaria Terry of WKRN Channel 2. Samaria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. We really do appreciate it. How are you? Of course. It is a little early, but we're okay. We're here. <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's true. Um, but, uh, with, two are, they, kids, are they making you do the 10 o'clock a lot? I mean, what's what at the station? Yeah. yeah what's know, the schedule like these days? I'm night side, but then it's crazy because we'll have like Titans practice earlier in the day. And so then we're trying to figure that out, but then we have a three o'clock because Dr. Phil decided he didn't want to come back. <laughs> so now we have to feel like, you know, time in the three, the four, the six and 10. Well, if if only you had like a smart, nice, uh, reliable boss running sports over there. But we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to him. And we'll get to him in a little while. Um, uh, so I, I want to start with we're, we're going to go all the way back to how you got into this godforsaken industry. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to start. And I read somewhere in one of your bios that you started as a physics major at Auburn. I do. And I would like to know what was going through your head after the first few classes of physics and then deciding journalism after that. That is such a funny story to tell because I really liked physics and calculus in high school. I had a great professor or teacher, not professor yet, but I had a great teacher. I think he got like his PhD from Georgia Tech or something. He made it really fun. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Auburn. They have a great science department and we're going to be in there. I'm in honors physics. I'm the only woman in the class. I was like, oh God. It was like 10 of us in there. And I was like, Samaria, we're not doing this. So it only took one class. It just took one. And then I got my stuff. And then I went to College of Liberal Arts. And I didn't look back. And you and said, no, was, no math requirements required over here. No. I just couldn't do it. I just, I was like, no, these, they're kind of weird. And I was like, oh, they, they do keep the world going, though. Um, and, and the job security, pretty good relative to journalism. <laughs> Yeah. And I really wanted to work for NASA. That was like always a dream of mine. And I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I don't regret it though. So, so why then 
journalism? Was it always sports that, that you were interested in? Was it other forms? Was it always TV? Sort of like, how did we get to both sports and TV through that journey? Yeah. So, you know, I had this woman tell me one time that like your career path goes through your DNA, just like your genetics and like all these other little things that you get from your parents. So my mom always wanted to be a news anchor. And so she went to Georgia State and got her degree in communications. But then life happens, you have kids and that never worked for her. And so I guess she kind of passed that along to me. And I've always talked a lot. I've always told stories. And so I just felt like that was a good career path for me, even if it was just news. We're just a sports family. We would sit and watch sports. You know, we'll, we'll watch college football on Saturdays. We're watching uh, pros on Sunday. And so I just always kind of lean more towards sports. I was a football recruiter at Auburn. And so I don't know. I just kind of liked it. And then like once I started to get into the business business, and I was doing news and I'm like, okay, this is something that I'm taking home with me every day. The death, the fires, the car accidents, the shootings. It was just way too much on me mentally. So I was always like sports is just a lighter uh, subject, something that I could do every day and doesn't feel like work. When Did you grow up in Alabama or did you? No, I'm from Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Um, how, so how, how did you, did you, Auburn was only for like the physics and the, and the engineering kind of piece of it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, wait a so minute. I really didn't want to stay close to home, which was crazy in hindsight because I was so homesick for like the first three weeks. So I feel like Auburn was like, um, not too far. It was like an hour and a half away. I was really close to my grandparents. They live like near Columbus, Georgia. So it was just a, a, a better fit. And then I didn't want to go to UGA because everybody w- was going to Georgia. I didn't want to go to Tech because that was literally right down the street. So had I thought about it and said I was going to do journalism, then I would have went to Georgia or even Alabama because they're more liberal arts schools. But Auburn had a great journalism program. So what were out. what were the te- like, was it SEC football and the Falcons? Like, what were the things that the fa- the family got together and, and rooted for and, and were all over on Saturdays and Sundays? Oh, yeah, for sure. SEC football. And I and I that was a time like when I was in high school, that was like the Cam Newton era. So everyone fell in love with Auburn. And I was like, OK, yeah, I got to go there. <laughs> got to. And then my parents aren't Falcons fans, so I don't root for the Falcons. They let I always tell this story, but they let me down in that 98-99 season against the Broncos. Super Bowl, I'll never root for you all again. And so then when we came back again and lost to the Patriots, I was like, I told y'all, I can't do it. I can't do it. So my dad's a Steelers fan and my mom's a Cowboys fan. So that's interesting. Wow. So which one did you pick? <laughs> I, I just watch. Okay. I'm not a big, I don't have like an NFL team. You- I root for the Titans now because I cover them, but... You, you are one of the smartest Falcons fans <laughs> I have ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Most of them do not have the foresight and the wherewithal to acknowledge that this is going to be your existence for the rest of your life. I can't do it. Or even the Hawks. Like, I'm like, eh. the Braves are good. The Braves are good. Yeah, they don't have a problem with, with winning. That's for sure. Uh, okay, so then take us through. You get out of school. Take us through your, your journey to get to Nashville. And wh- what did we learn along the way and uh, in, in route to, to the 615? Yeah. Okay. So when I first graduated, maybe like hmm, 20 days after graduation, packed up, I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina as a warning reporter slash traffic. Four months later, I was fired from that job because I was just absolutely terrible. And I always (laughs) kind of like tossed, it's always a toss up if I want to share that, but I usually end up sharing it because I just think there's a valuable lesson. Because after that, I was like, okay, like, I need to make sure that my next job is going to be something that I I completely want to do and I'm going to give 110% no matter what. So I sat at home and sulked for about a month. And then my dad is like, girl, you got to get up. Like, you got to do something. You can't just keep sitting here. So I got a job in Wichita Falls, Texas. Do y'all know where that is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Middle of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) So I was there for two years. And then luckily, uh, a year in, the sports girl left. um, And then I was able to move into there for another tour year. So then I did sports there for a year, which was so interesting because you have like six-man football. Mm -hmm. It was was crazy. I actually broke my wrist getting hit by a football player at a six-man football game. It's a funny story. Um, And then I went to Jackson, Mississippi for two years. 
And then I went to Memphis for two years. And now I'm here. And uh, I've been so I, I'm interested, uh, you know, starting out in tiny markets. I mean, every broadcast person learns something. You learn that, like, you're not a morning person or you yeah. learn, you, you know, you learn, uh, I, I, I got to, you know, I can't live on, you know, $16,000 a year or whatever, whatever the kind of like the base pay is. Working in Wichita and working sports, um, was there anything that was there anything that you figured out in, in that year that you were like, "Ooh, I can do this. I I know that I, I can tell these stories, or that I really have a passion for this." Yeah, I want to say it was probably just going in and finding the stories. Like I didn't really have to do that that much in Myrtle Beach, but then when I got to Wichita Falls, you're you you have to keep the audience engaged somehow. And there was so many stories to be told in this small community. So I thought that that was really interesting going here and being able to network with these people and, and tell their stories and find kids that have stories. And so I think that's probably like the biggest thing. And now that is like my go-to is like more long form, more like documentary style pieces where you really go in depth on an athlete. And I'm trying to do that now with the Titans, but they don't like to talk to you. So. <laughs> um, they, don't like, they don't like to talk for long stretches, certainly. For long stretches, yes. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'll hand up here. I'm a part of the fired from first job out of college club as well. Um, it, it it's this industry. It, every radio show is started to end, just like every coaching career, and it's not that much different in television. Uh, through that, through all those processes, through all those stops, d is there? Uh, you know, I, I get asked a lot from you know parents with kids that are coming up in the business or or whatever. Just like, hey, what's your advice? What did you learn? And uh, you know, I think embracing every one of those situations and kind of finding out what you not what you want to be but what you want to do did, did you have the ability through all those different stops it's it was pretty clear you didn't want to do sports or you wanted to do sports and not the other stuff what what do you do you have any advice about those experiences both Wichita and and even Myrtle Beach where you end up at home and and sort of down and like what what's your advice to people that are going through that because you're not the you are definitely not the only one to have gone through that yeah, it's so cliche, but you have to just really keep going. And, you know, you got to and unfortunately, you have to make a decision kind of quick whether you want to. I know for me, I was sitting there trying to say, well, maybe I shouldn't be on TV. Maybe I should do producing or more behind the scenes. Maybe I can just stay at home and work for a station here doing web or something like that. And then I think I really just had to sit with myself and really just kind of, OK, say like, Samaria, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to be back on TV. And then I just spent like a week getting my reel together. Luckily, like I still like when you get fired, they just like walk you off the premises. You can't even like take any of your stuff from the computer. I'm like, what about my team? Like I had nothing, but luckily I had some friends there at the station that were able to get me some stuff to make a reel because I had nothing. It just, it just walked you off. But I think once I was able to kind of get the stuff and then see that I had people in my corner in the industry that kind of pushed me to keep for, to keep moving forward. But I will say like for people getting out of college, like go to those smaller markets. See now like things are changing so much because it took me five stops to get to Nashville where some people is first stop, second stop, you know, and they're not really able to go to a small place and get the kinks out and, and work in that small market where you have to do everything. It's just you I think that people should embrace those, um, but the industry is just changing so much. And that's really sad to see because companies would rather pay someone fresh out of college and pay them nothing and just throw anything, you know. Yeah. Sink or swim. <laughs> it's just a sink or swim. They're like, oh, well, we're not paying you, them that much. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You did you did the Memphis to Nashville thing, mm -hmm. and I'm 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 fascinated in kind of what you what you see is kind of like the difference in the markets and kind of what you like how you compare Memphis stories and Memphis uh, sports journalism versus Nashville right now. Oh, they're really similar, honestly. Like I think that like in Memphis, you have like, you know, your 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 beat writers, you have your old hits that have been in the business for a long time. It's not as many. So when I got here to Nashville, I was a little overwhelmed. Like going to a Titans media availability, and you got all the beat writers in the front, and you can't get a question in. 
I was really overwhelmed by that. But honestly, I feel like they're really similar. Obviously, when you think about Memphis, it's more basketball oriented. So that's probably the difference. We're more, we're more, we're here, we're more football oriented. I I do think the energy is kind of similar. Like we're we're not a like a New York, Chicago style yeah. media market where we're trying to like take people down and like that's not really the vibe of Nashville or or Memphis. Did did you during your during your time in Memphis and then moving to Nashville? Do you have any explanation for why the two cities have such a heated rivalry just in general? Because and I don't need to go all the way back to like the 1940s and the 60s and the capital funding stuff. I don't need to go into any of that. But just in 2020. To 2023, what? Why, in your opinion, and from your perspective, wh- why? Why are Nashville and Memphis? Uh, why do they have such a rivalry? And just in general, I, I think that you kind of hit it. Though I think that Memphis feels like they should be what Nashville is, and they had the trajectory to get there. I don't know what happened along the way, but they just the city just kind of, you know. And then I think with the whole Titans thing, they're upset yeah. about that. And then Nashville just looks at Memphis like a little brother, like, yeah, it's just Memphis up there, whatever. So I think that's what it is. But when I announced that I was coming here. Well, what happened? People were just like, really? <laughs> Congrats, but. Sounds right. That sounds right. Now, you, you, were, in, um, you were in Jackson when, I, I believe the, the timing is right. You were in Jackson when Deion Sanders landed at. At Jackson State? I had just left. You had just left. Just left. And you it's so get... crazy. I'm sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say you didn't get you didn't get a chance to uh either you call might, him you, Dion or Coach you, Prime or you whatever. Might be, you might be better off. No, I did not. I I had just missed him, and it's crazy because I had such a great relationship with with not just Jackson State, but all the HBCUs in the area. So we would go down to Alcorn. We had Tougaloo. We had Mississippi Valley. Uh, I, that was kind of like my beat was, was the HBCUs. And I could like call Jackson State's coach and like, hey, can I come by and get an interview? We're at practice. We're covering the games. And so then when they brought in Prime, I'm like, oh, my God, I missed it. But I don't know because I've kind of heard some things that maybe media wasn't given all the access that we used to have. So I don't know how I would have felt about that or how I would have responded to having all of this access for with a team and then not having it. Have you had any opportunity to chat with, and this could be off the record, so I don't need details, but I'm just, I have done this plenty of times uh, with any of those coaches, those administrative staffs and any of those other HBCUs. Do you have any perspective from them on what they think about Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't asked. And honestly, I had a great working relationship with Fred McNair, who's at Alcorn, who is Steve McNair's older brother. And so I probably should have reached out to him to ask him what he thought. But honestly, I haven't asked anyone. I've like seen what fans are saying, but I haven't asked anyone that was higher. Yeah, the fans up. have opinions. So so do the so do the administrators. <laughs> uh, all right. So you mentioned the Titans and how difficult they are. Uh, it's the NFL. It's it's sort of part of the part of the beat. Um, they they are the biggest dog in the town, and so they act like it, and they don't need anybody's any of our help to to sort of do their thing. So when you sit down, you have an idea, you have a concept. How is it that you personally go about trying to execute that story and tell that story? knowing that you're going to have your 12 minutes of practice and maybe one question of, of a player or a coach uh, like everybody else. What, what is your, what is your plan to go about executing that story for your audience? I guess just, you have to really plan it though. So like, uh, you know, we have TN nation every week and this year I wanted to start doing more feature pieces on a player. So last week I got Malik and I just basically had to go in there He's sitting at his locker. I'm like, hey, I just sit. I actually sat in Levis's locker and I'm like, hey, (laughs) this is what I want to start doing each week. And I want you to be the first story that I tell. And he's like, do I have to? (laughs) Sounds right. You tell him yes. (laughs) I was like, you don't. But no, 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 no. They're kids. Scare him. Tell him. Yes, you have to. (laughs) Okay, You're contractually obligated. But I led with. I'm from Atlanta too. I did go to Auburn. So don't hold that against me. So I was trying to have a little, <laughs> a few icebreakers. He's like, well, okay. I was like, well, what, when are you leaving? 
he's like, I'm going to leave at like, I can't think of what time it was, maybe 1045. I was like, okay, great. I'll come back. Two minutes. Give me two minutes. And somehow I was able to tell a story on Malik in, in a two minute interview. I don't know how, but it was really just about his faith, which I didn't know that it was that his display of his faith was that big. And so I kind of tied it into like Tebow and like how Tebow was really big in displaying his faith. But Malik does it too, but just not as loud. Yep. You know, so, but he, like the way that he sings out his social media posts and just like everything that when you, when you talk to him, it's always about God. I mean, even, I thought that he wore the number seven because of Michael Vick. It's not. He said, it's, that's God's number. That's how many days it took to make the world. So I was like, oh, okay. So then he talked about like growing up and going to church with his grandmother and initially going for peppermints and candy, but then like getting his own relationship and building his own relationship with God. And that kind of drives him. And that was really what motivated him this off season. Um, so that was interesting. So that that's a, a ton of detail and a ton of information in just your two minutes. Like you said, <laughs> no, that's, that's, it, that's great. That's great work by you. But what it means, it also like as it again. I know your 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 nation show. You get you get a little bit more time, but in a normal broadcast, that's that's more two minutes is more than you might even get, right? Like so so, does it help trying to tell his entire faith story in two minutes? Because you know that when you guys are putting together packages for any other broadcast, that you know that you're going to get ninety seconds. Um, well, luckily, so I told you we have that three o'clock show. So the three o'clock show, I could go long. And I think the TRT on that package was like 212. Um, but usually for our normal shows, when we have the 90 seconds, we're just getting podium stuff um, or just just maybe something really quick in the locker room, especially when we have that three and that four. It's kind of I try to do more news stuff. So I kind of try to make it not as X and O's. So. Um, I know like when they when they finalized the roster, I did like a quick story on Matthew Jackson and Colton Dowell just because they were local guys. And that was more of a newsy angle. Derrick Henry is always great because everybody knows who that is. But uh, yeah, I think I answered your question. Did I answer your question? So yeah, yeah. Like well, yeah. Well, and I'm ki- now I'm curious, like how does each of the like are you thinking about the the audience through each one of the time slots going? All right. I think. This one, this one is about so and so back on the practice field. This one's going to be a little bit more personality. This one's going to be like how how is that exactly how you're laying it out each day? So like when I'm when we're sitting there, especially at podium, I'm trying to think of what is the most newsy sports story that I can tell. So last week, last Thursday, I had the three and a four o'clock hit. The three o'clock, I did it about Tim Shaw because Ackerman had a great soundbite about about how Tim told him after the game, like these are the notes on each player and how they need to improve. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) And then the four o'clock, it was about Derrick Henry getting more touches. So it wasn't as newsy. So I think that like that three o'clock, we have like a local on two lifestyle show. So I think that those that audience is kind of moving into the three. So they were kind of more like a feel good story. And then the four o'clock, maybe were more newsy, but maybe want a little bit of sports, like real sports. So that's why I kind of made that four o'clock hit more about Derrick Henry getting more carries in week two. Well, and his, and his, and his, well, his touches went, hang on. She was right on because his touches went from 17 to 28 and from week week one to week two. So good work. There you go. If Corey comes back and says, "All right, you got seven minutes, whatever you want." What you know, what, what what is what 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 is like a, what what's like the single story that you're going to do if you provided you can get access? I would like, have to do a sit down with somebody, like a yeah, real yeah. sit down. And who's like who, like who do you want to go like just like really deep with? And and it can't be like a star. It can't it can't be like Jeffrey Simmons or Ryan Tannehill. Like you right. gotta. You know, I've always in the back of my head wanted to sit down with Aziz because, and he's told this story before, but not for me. And just his upbringing and how he was homeless at one point. And yeah. just, I think that that could fill up seven minutes and and be engaging and very powerful, powerful story. I think Arden has a great story too. Very, very different communication styles. Uh, the, the, Aziz Alshayer has a very, and I don't know what the right word is here. It's a very like approachable sort of soft, yeah. like, and that's not going to be, that's not coming off the way I want it to. Cause he's a good middle linebacker, 
uh, mm-hmm. who hits who hits people hard for a living. But like he just has like sort of this softness in his conversational tone that I find very, very interesting. And I think you're right. He would make for an incredible 10 minutes to sit down and, and talk with him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we've had um, for, the former personalities, uh, some of whom are still in the market. Uh, Kayla Anderson, Emily Proud, they all say terrible things about Corey Curtis. <laughs> So I just I would like you to tell everybody exactly what type of person Corey Curtis is. Okay, so I don't think that I love Corey. I don't think that I had the same Corey that they did because if you remember, <laughs> our department was four people. You just named three of them, and then we had Cal. It's just two of us now. So it's a lot more work, and we're a lot more stressed out trying to get that. I mean, because we have two shows that we have to turn out each week. And uh, so, yeah, it's but Corey's great, great person to learn under. He's been in the business for a long time, been here for a long time. And I don't even think the station realizes how long Corey's been there. We agree with you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What did you not know about Nashville? What, What preconceived notion did you have about Nashville that's now totally different? What was something somebody from Memphis was whispering in your ear about, like how <laughs> you're going to hate that place? That's not what I said. I'm trying to think, was that debunked? It might not have been debunked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Yeah, Even that's better. Good too. Uh, I wasn't Broadway talking. Broadway was not debunked. Broadway was not debunked. Uh, yeah. That, said yeah. that it was going to be bachelorette parties. It's a shit show. Broadway yeah. boots and hats. Yeah. Uh, pedal bars. Got to have a costume. That is why I'm getting ready to move out of the gulch for that reason. The pedal bars. I can't do it. Congratulations. That's a big step. Get out. (laughs) 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. Where are you going? Yeah, well, so I don't want to get started on that topic because there's a reason that actually there's a lot of people in this town that will not send their daughters downtown unless they're on one of those things. So that's that's a, a totally different way to look at that. But that's for a different podcast altogether. Um. Yeah. 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 So let me. What I meant by that question was more fan base, Titans fans, uh, sports oh. fans in this market. Is there something about you know we are a three professional sports team market, but we don't sort of act like it all the time, and because we're kind of new, the fans are kind of young, relatively speaking. Um, Atlanta, your you know your background is a, a long-standing market with sports teams for a long, long, long time. It, did you have a, an idea of what Titans fans or Preds fans were going to be, and then their interaction and their attention spans, or or whatever? Like I, that's more of what I meant by that was just how 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 is as a sports market. What did you expect, and sort of what have you learned about it? I think that it was definitely what I expected. Die-hard fans, like. Because even the the Titans fans in in, in excuse me in Memphis were diehard, so I, I I think it was really what I expected. I now I will say I didn't expect the Preds to have the following that it has. I think once I was able to go and experience that, I'm like okay. Even like the draft, I was like, oh my God, like we have a lot of hockey fans here. That was something that was really surprising to me. And then soccer is just, you know, they're crazy. <laughs> uh, does does Nashville like the Predators more or less than Memphis likes the Grizzlies? Ooh, no, it's, you know, it's crazy because there is like this debate on in like Memphis Facebook groups about who is, Memphis's team. And of course, everyone says it's the Tigers. But the Grizzlies are kind of getting up there. Like, I think that the fans really, really love the Grizzlies. They love Ja. They love Jaron. They love Taylor Jenkins. They, I mean, like, that is really like their team, too. So it's kind of neck and neck. It's neck and neck. I, I bet you the old heads you were talking about, they call it Memphis State and they like the college <laughs> game. And I, I again, my my personal opinion is I don't know why we in Nashville can't love the Predators and the Grizzlies. I don't know why people in Memphis can't love the Titans and the Predators. Like, I don't know why we don't just love all of it. Like, Ja is a like he is a, a an attention lightning rod of interest and intrigue that just you should be paying attention to. You know, the Preds aren't as good <laughs> anymore. 
Um, so I don't know. I just I just assumed that I, I, I assumed the Grizzlies would be much bigger in Memphis than the Predators are in Nashville because there's so much more going on from a sports standpoint. So, yeah, yeah, that wasn't a question. <laughs> um all right well what we'll let you go you've been very gracious with your time um what what uh at the end of this titan season what do you think the story is that that we are telling that you're that you're telling oh i hope it's one of redemption i hope it's one that's like okay week one was a fluke we've seen this story before and then they go on to like i really hope that they can go far and I, we kind of talked about it in preseason and then just like last week is, is this going to be Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry's last ride? And I feel like it might be. So that will probably be the story. And hopefully if it, if it, I don't want it to be their last ride, but if it is, can they go out with the bang and, uh, and get pretty far in the postseason? Well, uh, thank you so much. And uh, if you want to tell everybody exactly like all the different shows and the Twitter accounts, please tell everybody, <laughs> please tell everybody like your weekly schedule, where they can find you, where they can watch you, and where they can and read all your stuff. Yeah. So I'm more active on like Facebook. So that's just Samaria Terry TV. And Samaria Terry is my Twitter handle. And Instagram is Samaria Terry TV. I have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to get started. So be on the lookout for that. But usually, you can catch me on News 2 in the 3 o'clock and the 4 o'clock, sometimes on 6, on Fridays, and on at 10 o'clock. And then Corey and I have Tia Nation Saturday night, and then we have Sports Extra on Sunday night. Well, there you go. Just just only those places. That's the, that's the only place you can find it. And on social media. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Samari, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. That was Samaria Terry of Channel 2. Uh, obviously, she talked about her journey through Memphis and through Texas and Auburn and the whole deal. And uh, listen, if you have not been fired in this business, uh, and I and I applaud her for, for wanting to sort of tell the story and learn something from it and be public about it. I, you know, if you haven't been fired working in media, you haven't been in media long enough. <laughs> so... I, I did love the fact that uh, I did love the fact that she was fired from like her first her first gig, like straight out of the out of the gate and learned like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, I like I don't want to be doing, you know, traffic uh, in uh, Myrtle Beach at you know, four in the morning. Well, and it's <laughs> what I what I what I appreciate about her honesty in that moment is like, oh, I just wasn't very good. <laughs> like that's and that's exactly what, what's funny is like my first job right out of college i was fired from that job also by a person with the last name terry by the way and it just i learned so much from the experience like i, I not both both through working for the two years and also through the mistakes i made and also about the industry <laughs> you just you just learn about how this business works and uh credit to her for for learning from it and being totally comfortable and fine to to adapt and move on and I do think the Memphis Nashville thing is just utterly fascinating. There's obviously heavy political, you know, those kinds of historical ties between the two cities and how they've been treating each other politically for, you know, the better part of 100 years. And that certainly is an underlying force in how the two cities treat each other. But I think there's a lot of young young sports fans in particular in Nashville who don't give a shit about any of that stuff. They just like John Morant. They like the Grizzlies. They like Penny. They like basketball. I, I just I feel like we've reached a, a tipping point where we just kind of need to move on. And you old heads in Nashville who don't like Memphis and you old heads in Memphis who don't like Nashville. I'm not saying you don't have proper reasons for feeling certain things. I get it. But like, let's why can't we all just get along and uh, eat great barbecue, listen to blues and watch John Morant? I don't understand. I, I don't understand why you feel the need to bring us all together. I because I like why? Memphis. Why, I like why, Memphis. Why do why do I have to like Memphis? I don't have to like Memphis. I feel like you Look, should. Man, I've spent more I've I've spent more time in Memphis than 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 you probably will for the rest of your life. We don't have to love Memphis. Okay. We just don't. Well, you don't. I, I, how, how about this? I, I, how about it? Does not have to be like nothing wrong with Memphis. Okay, well, it doesn't, that's not true. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with Middle Tennessee. Come on. I mean, there's, I, there's there's plenty wrong. Middle Tennessee, there's plenty wrong with Nashville, but I know, but I'm just we don't we don't have to you know join arms and sing kumbaya. Okay, okay. How about this? It doesn't have to be a positive relationship, but there's no reason for it to be a negative relationship. How about that? 
Is that fair? It's much more fun if it's a negative relationship. It's so much more fun. <laughs> it like is so a... much more fun. Sounds like it's all about you. Speaking of negative relationships, go to Jasper's, everybody. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I, I'm obviously kidding. I love Jasper's. I have a very positive relationship with Jasper's. They, I think they have, uh, uh, like, they just opened a, Four Top Hospitality just opened a restaurant, I believe out in in memphis or they've got a location in memphis so there you go look four top hospitality jaspers bringing nashville and memphis together oh god and jackson and huntsville (laughs) stop look did they really did they really open something yes yes they're in memphis come on man They're, they're they're look this is a great company based in nashville serving nashville folks for decades and decades with high quality food and Jasper's is just the latest, man. Uh, a couple of years of pure and utter domination in the sports bar scene. It is the next evolution. Free parking. I mean, I don't know what else. They, they've got a free game room. Like, you guys have heard us talk about them. So, I don't, we don't, like, Jasper speaks for itself. Like, the name is now synonymous with evolution and sports and bars. So, wow. Four Top actually, Four, four Top has an Amerigo and a Char in Memphis. I told wow. what did I, I told you. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know how I feel about the sponsorship anymore. Jaspers bringing Nashville and Memphis together over <laughs> collar poppers. <laughs> All right, go to Jaspers. Uh, okay, neg- actually speaking of negative relationships, that was my actual segue. Uh, Lincoln Riley decided to ban a young reporter who dared to email folks in the athletic department, chat with players, and write a story about his football team. His first year beat writer on um on the beat for the Orange County Register, uh, the young reporter's name. Let me make sure I get this right. Luca Evans. Um, and basically he got suspended for a couple of weeks because he gasped, did his job. If you do not know what a beat writer does, and I think if you listen to the show, you probably do, but a beat and by reporter- suspended, not by his organization, but by, but, but like from access to USC. Right. Uh, and be- because Lincoln Riley, I don't think he knows this, but Luca Evans does not in fact work for USC football. He works Correct. for the Orange, the Orange County Register, who actually wrote a apparently like a very nice profile of 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 one of their rising rising stars, um, Quentin Joyner, and he 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 chatted with him at media availability, which is this, the job, <laughs> which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, and like again, if you don't know what the job of a beat reporter is, to like show up to every single possible opportunity to cover the team, speak speak to players, speak to people around the program speak to the head coach and and it just it's it's when you lay that against juxtapose that against what Colorado is doing and we'll get to the TV ratings but like basically Colorado and and the genius of Deion Sanders is that everything is a marketing literally every single moment is a marketing opportunity like you like how many you're seeing Dion and his son in like and his a mom in like chicken commercials like all Saturday long. Uh, it's like every single opportunity. They have a social media team that's filming everything and pushing it out. And it's not that USC doesn't do that stuff too. But Lincoln Riley did this at Oklahoma. It is so, and and to bring it back to Nashville, it's it's like the Preds not letting a player who makes a big mistake not be available after a game. It's Vanderbilt deciding, hey, we're not going to you know let certain folks who are clearly credentialed and qualified come into the press box during it to cover a game. Like there's just it's, it's sort it's small it's it's, it's Nash it's Nashville SC not enforcing uh, uh, open uh, locker room uh, requirements made by MLS um, not making not making a a key player available after a very important Cup final game I mean it's all just it's it's, it's small it's small and the Titans yeah. it, for and 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 even um, uh, Samaria talked about this like even the Titans. While they don't allow you a whole lot of access, they don't allow you a whole lot of opportunity to have like longer form conversations with anybody. We've talked a lot about breaking news, how hard it is to build sources in 2023 higher up in, in organizations that are as tightly wound as and as big as the Titans. For all of that stuff that we complain about with the Titans, if if you know, if Harold Landry takes some terrible you know, personal foul penalty at the end of a game to lose the football game and the Browns win over the weekend because his stupidity and his dumb decision, he will be sitting at his locker without Robbie or anyone else looking over his shoulder. And he's going to sit there in front of all the cameras and all the microphones and answer every question like a, like a, like an adult. And for whatever, for all the complaints about the Titans, 
they are big and they act big. And this is a very small move by Lincoln Riley. So, and you compare that. And, and, and here's the, what's interesting to me. Doesn't USC have a bigger PR battle to fight than they think? Not, not from like a bad PR standpoint, but like an interest standpoint in Los Angeles. This is what we talked about. We've talked about this for years in college football. USC is not like this dominant brand in, in Los Angeles. They, they got the Lakers. They got two NFL teams. They got a, the Clippers. They got the Dodgers and the Angels. They have outdoor things to do. Like You have to fight for interest in the entertainment capital of the world. You can't be taking a good positive story and taking offense to it and, and taking coverage away for USC football. They actually need – they are dominating people. They have the Heisman Trophy winner, and they still do not pull huge, huge ratings in Los Angeles because they have to fight for interest in that particular market. And this is – this this hurts your chances at that. It, it it is a it is a front running town, uh, and when USC is and, and when USC is big, LA is going to be really interested in it because LA likes winners. But there's to your point, there are too many other there are too many other attractions around town right now that are winning. That that USC can get away with something like this. And, and it's just, it's just dumb. It, it's just, it, yeah. it's absolutely dumb. And, and when you're, when you're so concerned about one outlet, um, when, and quite frankly, the Orange County Register is greatly diminished from what it used to be. I mean, if, if you're that worried about, if you're that worried about one thing, man, you got, you got control issues. You got yeah, major, yeah. major control issues. And look, Lincoln Riley has done this sort of similar, similar thing at Oklahoma. I think it's, I think there's a, there's actually a little bit more sense to it at Oklahoma, because in Oklahoma City, you probably are the biggest and most powerful and most important brand and most interesting topic, right? That that's covered in that market. So maybe you you have a little bit more power to do that. But in this particular market, I just don't think it works. And all you need to do is look back at when USC was great under Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll understood how to market his program actually in a very similar way to that of Deion Sanders. He would have Snoop Dogg at practices. He'd have Will Ferrell out at practices. He'd have open practices. He'd be doing all kinds of fun stuff with the players interacting with the media. Like he kind of got how to market the team and it helped that they were a bunch of rock stars winning championships. And, but that's what he's trying to, that's what Lincoln Riley's trying to get back to here. So um, just, maybe, maybe, just a small, a small, a small uh, decision by Lincoln Riley. For whatever criticism you want to make of, of Deion Sanders, you know, access ain't one of them. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he is, uh, you know, they, they have, they have opened, you know, they have opened that program way up and, you know, uh, to the point that they, you know, they, they almost risk overexposure, but, although I guess, which we've talked about, you know, I, I guess if you look at the TV ratings, uh, all right, people, 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 people want them. People want them some Buffalo uh, football right now. So, so I have like some, you know, my own personal like questions and conversations that I think are important around Deion Sanders. But to put all that side of, stuff aside for a second and just acknowledge that his pure gravitational force in college football media and coverage and interest is unprecedented. I, I have never like they are one of the worst power five programs in all of college football. And what they did on Saturday night against Colorado, this was a Pac-12 Mountain West football game. So to keep that in mind, a Pac-12 Mountain West football game that started at 10.20 p.m. Eastern time. It averaged 9.3 million viewers, the fifth most watched game in ESPN history. It's the, it's the most streamed college football game in ESPN history. It, the peak viewers was eleven million dollars, or eleven million dollars, eleven million viewers. Um, it's the most streamed regular season college football game of all time. I already said that. Fourth best regular season game in the last six years. But it so was doing again, it, it was doing Alabama Texas numbers after midnight. It, I can't. I mean, I, I, a Pac-12 Mountain West football game drawing those kinds of national numbers i can't even begin to try to attempt to explain i, I, I what do have that to means. say if you're paying if you're paying attention in at all in the run-up there there was there was a, there was a little juice going into this game well it's there a great some, it's a great rivalry it's a great it's rivalry. a great rivalry uh norvell had kind of stoked the rivalry uh a little yeah. bit last week should have won um, the game <laughs> should have won the game um 
that uh, you know, that is the that is the harbinger harbinger of uh maybe not great things to come that they they couldn't spank a not great Colorado State team that that well, they, and, they, they and, had to they had to rally in order to do it and Travis Hunter the great two-way star was 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 injured because of a very late and you could say dirty hit by a player who by the way is getting death threats from Colorado fans i i love this story so much not the death threats but like this is what embodies college football that you can go from one of the worst teams in all of college football to like sending death threats to an like the fan base can go that fast and i've never seen anything like it. i honestly i've covered this game for almost 20 years and i have never seen anything like what deon sanders is doing is it icarus is it going to burn you know and burn out real hot real close to the sun and you know he leaves for another job in 2 years and the whole thing is explodes in their face i have no idea 2 years maybe this year <laughs> maybe right. this year maybe when he's coaching the falcons in 2 years i i don't i just don't like i've never i've never seen anything like it and i i cannot it's hard to explain a pac12 and mountain west game pulling texas alabama numbers after midnight it, it is i I'm out, I'm out of words. <laughs> it's it's unprecedented what what he's doing. I I just I, I one thing I one thing I will say, and for kind of like all the criticism of Dion that's been out there, I did thought I did think it was a like a really uh, it was a really good move on his part to say to tell the to tell the Colorado fans to simmer down about the hit on Hunter. Well, um, tra- well, here's the thing, Travis Hunter, the guy who got hit, said the safety was just doing his job. He got flagged yeah. for it. It was a penalty. You cannot be more offended than the victim. Okay. Right. You can't right. be more offended than the victim. And if Travis Hunter says it's fine, then you can't. I mean, nobody thinks death threats are okay, but chill out, Colorado. You guys have been good for like three weeks. Chill out, Colorado. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break with this stuff. It's ridiculous. Um, but it just the rate, the TV ratings are insane. It's nuts. I've never seen anything like it. So uh, it, just it'll, ju- it, juxtapose it, it, the USC thing who actually is good and actually could win a national championship with the Heisman Trophy winner, barring a sing- first-year beat reporter from writing good stories about his players, and Deion Sanders pulling 9 million viewers against the Mountain West team at midnight, and there's your difference in how the two organizations are running in the Pac-12. I, I do want to see what happens to the Raiders in the second half against Oregon, where Oregon's a very good team. Uh, and Three, three touchdown favorite. And... and that might that might get a little ugly in the second half. I mean, Colorado's Colorado's you know they're they've outperformed expectations to this point, but this is their first real competition, and it will be and it's at Oregon, and it will be very interesting to see what kind of what happens in the second half of that uh, of that game. Yeah, uh, here's what I would suggest though: this is not a gambling podcast. Colorado plus twenty one though, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I am taking the Buffaloes. Uh, I mean, they made me money. They've made me money all year, so I ain't stopping now. Point, point, points will indefinitely be scored in that game. Oh yeah, uh, th- think forty-eight thirty-one, like an old Big Twelve score is what you're going to get. Oh, oh, I, I think, I think that may be low. Oh, okay, fifty-four <laughs> thirty-eight. Yeah, and I think, I think like like fifty-eight forty-two, something like that. I mean, right. I, I think that, I think that's what we're headed for. I don't think they get to a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so one team oh, or both all right what recommendations you got for the good folks uh so there so uh, one of my favorite podcasts uh for a long time uh was a thing called reply all uh and it kind of imploded uh they one of the main guys uh from that um is a guy named pj um i'm gonna mess i'm gonna screw up pj's last name here uh pj vote v-o-g-t if anybody wants to tell me how to say that correctly um anyway uh he has a new he has a new podcast called search engine that is quite good uh where they where they it, it's he and a it's he and a town and a team of producers and the whole idea is you ask them questions they answer them they can be kind of like really they can be like really kind of straightforward and in depth they can be kind of like completely crazy they will try to answer your questions um and they did they they did a podcast on uh on it was a two-parter on fentanyl that was absolutely fascinating um and and it one of them like the first part of it was talking to this investigative reporter uh, and the second part of it was talking to a dealer 
and, and the whole question surrounds like why are dealers putting fentanyl why, why are they lacing other drugs with fentanyl when they when they can clearly kill your they they, they can kill your uh um your users you know the people that are paying you for the illegal drugs and kind of like why that sort of defies uh, uh, business uh, a business yeah, model well and and they go back into the they go back into the history of fentanyl they they mm. uh, they talk you know it, it, it's fascinating same guy that same guy that that developed fentanyl also developed emodium interesting uh that's, I, that's absolutely fat, it's like it's like the that is like the like the record scratch kind of like a uh, moment in the in the podcast where they're talking about kind of like this genius belgian um yeah. uh researcher Anyway, it, it's a really good podcast. They do an excellent job with it. Anyway, it's called Search Engine. Well okay. worth checking out. Um, so first of all, like Elon, Elon Musk is such a polarizing topic. I don't necessarily. I'm not going to recommend all the books that and the stories that are out. Although I do think Ronan Farrow's article in the New Yorker about Elon Musk actually tackled like a different angle than any other angle. But if you really want to understand Elon Musk, I don't think I any. You know where I'm going with this? Yeah. I don't think anybody else. There's there's a Walter Isaacson book that's out, but I don't think it's. I, I think it's it, it's. I haven't read it, but I've heard and read reviews. He is great. He's the one who wrote the Steve Jobs book. Um, but like, it. it I, I don't know if you're gonna learn a wrote whole a really lot. Great Benjamin Franklin uh, biography too. I I think the definitive the definitive piece of content that I have heard so far or read that I think helped me understand Elon Musk more than anything else was a Labor Day episode of and I've I've recommended the On with Kara Swisher podcast many times. But what, one of my favorite things that they do, she has a co-host Naima Raza who's been a Silicon Valley reporter for a long time. And, and a foreign policy reporter, I believe, as well. And what I what every now and then, especially on holiday episodes, Naima will interview Kara. And Kara becomes the interviewee. She's a great interviewer because of how she she does things. But when she gets to be the subject is is when it gets really good. And they do an over an hour on her relationship. Her, she has a very personal relationship with Elon Musk, has known him for a very, very long time through all of his different business iterations and and stuff. And if you really kind of want to try to understand exactly what Elon Musk is doing and who he is and why he thinks the way he thinks, I think Kara Swisher right now is one of the definitive voices on on what's going on with him. And so I would I would listen on with Kara Swisher. The episode is Elon Musk, somebody that I used to know. It's it's back on September 4th, came out Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's about an hour. They've, they've got a ton of Elon episodes, but that one is one of the definitive pieces of content I've ever consumed that helped me understand more about Elon Musk than anybody else. So that's a really good interview. I, I would also say that, like, if, if you're if you're into this topic and you're gonna re- you're either gonna read the book or you're thinking about reading the Isaacson book, uh, this week's episode of that same podcast is Swisher interviewing Walter Isaacson. Yes, and it That's is on there too. <laughs> it is not a gentle interview, uh, and they're friends. I, and I think I, I think she's disappointed. I think, in I think the, they I think, remain friends afterwards. Is but, she disappointed in the book? Is that what it is? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. She t- and and she she can she lets him have it Ooh. about what she thinks are kind of like flaws in the book and kind of flaws in I haven't got access reporting and. It's it, it is it, it and there's like a deep discussion of access reporting because it's something she's been accused of as well. Uh, it is it is a it is a great discussion and yeah and Isaacson cops to certain things and 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 says I made a mistake here or and then also pushes back on other stuff. I mean Isaacson's a, a, a you know legitimately kind of kind of one of the best journalists that yeah. that we've had. You know he yeah. used to run Time, he ran CNN, he's done he's done a ton of stuff. Um, it it is a great interview, particularly if you like hearing, um, if you hear like hearing smart people go back and forth at each other really, really yeah. hard in a really respectful sort of way. It's it's very good. Yeah, she's got actually an entire episode with Ronan Farrow about why he wrote his piece about Elon Musk, uh, as well as Bill Cohen, who's a reporter. They interviewed former Twitter employee Yoel Roth. There's an episode like they do a lot of episodes about Elon because Kara is so connected to him uh but the one when when they sort of eliminate all the other reporters and all the other noise and they just the two of them of the hosts of the show 
go really in depth in her personal relationship with Musk, I think that's when I learned the most about what's going on in this freaking madman's head. Okay, go yeah, to Jasper. It's good stuff. Yeah, go to Jasper's. Appreciate uh, Samaria for joining us. Of course, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Sign up at the NashvilleBanner.com or go to the NashvilleBanner.com. Uh, I, I want to ask you a question for a friend here to end the show. Asking for a sure. friend. Sure. Do you walk around calling it X and post no. and repost? No. Asking for a friend. No. Uh, or do you walk around calling it Twitter and tweets still? I think I know your friend. Um, Asking for a friend. No, uh, I, I still call it Twitter. Do you walk it's around? Twitter. Do you walk around calling it Meta? I do not call it Meta. No, you don't. Call it Twitter because you know what? It's Twitter until I die, <laughs> or until Elon dies, or until it dies. All of the above. He's not listening. Just asking for a friend. Uh, all right, he's not, go. He's not. He's not listening this far. Yet. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall at at four forty sports. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, special edition next week of the show, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So let's tune in. We do appreciate Guest you host, guys. I'm on vacation. Oh, don't tell. Don't ruin the surprise. Enjoy your vacation. Suckers. Enjoy your vacation. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>